Studios of WORQ in Wisconsin. This is the Stand Up for the Truth podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up for the Truth. It's Thursday, August third, and we welcome our our uh, online listeners at q90fm.com/slash/listen. Also, our FM listeners in Northeast Wisconsin. I'm Crash. Over here, making sure that all the right buttons are being pushed at the right time. Mary Danielson is back. Good morning, Mary. Good morning. It's great to be here. Um, glad everyone can join us for stand-up of uh, this fresh podcast. I'm looking forward to speaking with our guest today, and that is Pastor Jeff Solwald of Calvary Chapel, Madison, Wisconsin. But first, we're going to open with a scripture, and we're going to acknowledge the Lord before I introduce Jeff. So, <clears throat> the scripture this morning, 1 Corinthians 1, 18 to 21. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Amen. What wonderful news. Let's acknowledge the Lord this morning. <clears throat> uh, Lord, we understand that it is only by your grace that we can say we understand the futility of life without you and the wisdom that you give us. Uh, we are often vexed by the foolishness of this world and its wisdom, so-called. But we thank you for the simplicity of the cross and that we can access the throne of grace anytime, any moment. We do pray for the prodigals in our lives, the unsaved, Lord, um, those who refuse to bow the knee. Uh, draw them to yourself, perhaps this very, very day, Lord. I lift up Jeff um, to you and his family. I thank you for the many years of faithfulness and the fruit of the work there in Madison. I pray uh, for everyone in his family for good health and for endurance to finish well and with joy. In Jesus' name. Um, as I said today, we're speaking with Jeff Sowald, and his teaching can be he- heard here right on Q90 FM. Upward Call is on at 10 a.m. Central Time, immediately following Stand Up for the Truth. They also live stream their worship services Sundays at 10.30 a.m., Wednesdays at 7 p.m., calvarychapelmadison.com. They have a Facebook page as well. Jeff, welcome to Stand Up for the Truth today. Well, thank you, Mary. What a blessing. It's so great to be with you guys and just love your ministry that you, you all do up there. Well, it's great to have you back. Jeff, how long have you been pastoring in Madison? Um, actually, believe it or not, um, as of next month, 25 years. Wow. Well, congratulations. That's wonderful. Thank you. That's wonderful. And I've been down Mm -hmm. there. What a sweet fellowship. And uh, Mm -hmm. I know you guys just love the Lord and you love people. That's just obvious from Mm -hmm. the moment you walk in the door. So we, you know, I've I've just seen the Lord um, working so greatly in that ministry. So 25 years. That's great. Where where did Mm you, um, I mean, you're not from Madison. So where did you come from? Well, I grew up out uh, in in around Heartland, the Conemwalk area. And um Moved out to California, uh, L.A., and lived out there 12 years. And that's where Candy and I got saved. And um, 
went to Bible college and actually went through a pastor's class that my pastor put on out there and then moved back to plant the church in uh, 98. And so, um, yeah, the Lord put Madison on our heart right away. Um, just we were so blessed. Yeah getting involved in, I mean, we both came out of Roman Catholicism, okay. you know, and I'd never been in a Protestant church in my life. And, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to go from mass, go to, uh, to a Protestant church, you know, do I, what do I dress up? How do I act? Mm-hmm. All these things. I walk in and felt right at home and I just mm-hmm. was so blessed to, I mean, we were getting discipled off the radio out there and, mm-hmm. and so, um, we were being fed right away by uh, different uh, Calvary Chapel uh, teachers and Pastor Chuck, of course, mm-hmm. and that ministry out there, and and um, just uh, oh man, we gotta we gotta do this in Wisconsin where mm-hmm. we're at, you know, and because there's so few, I don't know at that point. I know Dwight's been here for a hundred years, but you know I don't know, the, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, at that time, I think Joe Guglielmo was out here, and um, I don't know who else. There might have been, uh, there was a guy in Wausau, I think, but, mm-hmm. you know, but still, to this day, a lot of people around Madison, they don't, they've never heard of Calvary Chapel. Mm-hmm. It's amazing, you know. Yeah. yeah, I can relate to your story a little bit, too, because I had gotten saved. I got a Bible after, you know, being I don't know, arguing with God for about a year. And then there was this little white church in Appleton, and, and I was afraid to go in because all I knew was the Catholicism. And I thought, mm-hmm. what do they do there? I mean, are they going to be rolling in the aisles? Or? Exactly. Yeah, I was afraid. I, I was told not to, you know, growing up. You don't go to a Protestant church. So exactly, that was... Yeah. And one day I just said, oh, whatever. <laughs> I walked in the yeah. door and I never left. So, uh-huh. yeah, that's fantastic. Well, I know you want to uh, discuss what's near to your heart, um, especially in light of your anniversary here in Madison, a pastoral ministry. And the Bible has instructions about and for pastors. Uh, they are stewards of God's flock, the flock of God. They are shepherds, or they should be, Jeff. So do you want to just to open us up here and, and what you'd like to talk about, um, what the Bible says about pastors? Well, you know, think of the importance of the role of pastor. You know, I mean, in in Ephesians 4, uh, we're told in different offices that the Lord himself instituted. It says in uh, Ephesians 4, 11, and he himself is very emphatic. You know, these are, these are offices Jesus himself instituted. He gave some to be apostles, mm-hmm. some prophets, some evangelists, some pastor teachers equipping a saints work and ministry edifying the body of Christ and you know when you consider that verse you know every every Christian should have a pastor needs to have a pastor including every pastor you know like I mm-hmm. said I got trained under uh, David Rosales out in California but the day I got here I went up and submitted myself to Dwight and for 25 years, you know, whenever we've had uh, issues or something, he was the the one that I would go to. You know, he's been my pastor for 25 years out here. But of those four offices that Jesus personally is given for his work here on earth, 
you know, every Christian doesn't have to have their own apostle, you know, their own prophet or their own evangelist. Mm -hmm. But every Christian, we are to be submitted to those who the Lord has given to watch out for our souls, as Hebrews 13 says, and who will give an account, which is a pastor's responsibility, very heavy responsibility, like you said, you know, serving as a steward of the Lord's church. It's not my church, it's it's his church. You know, Paul speaking to the Ephesian elders there in Acts 20, you know, telling them to, you know, steward the church of God that he purchased with his own blood. And when you really understand that as a pastor, you know, it should cause you to just be in fear continually because mm -hmm. having to give an account for that. And and I think a lot of times, especially the days we're in, um, where so many Christians, you know, there a lot of their Christianity is practiced online, you know. Right. And so, um, you know, if they have a problem, they just Google this or Google that, mm -hmm. or they can mm -hmm. go and they can get 15 opinions instantly, if not, you know, 100 more. They don't go to their pastor normally, and yet, you know, they come to the church, and they sit in the pew, and they listen, they receive, and all that. And a, a lot of Christians, I've found, that don't even understand, you know, what a pastor should be. Mm -hmm. You know, we're told in First Timothy, and the qualifications, we're told there in Ephesians, what uh, the duties are, and... You know, it's, it's very so such an important position, and should be an important position in every Christian's life. You know, even a pastor, like I said, I know Dwight, his pastor's pastor Chuck, always had been, mm -hmm. and you know, um, to have somebody who might just be freelancing and has no accountability, very dangerous. Right. You know, situation. Going, right, right, something and, like that's going on. And then it says, for equipping the saints for the work of ministry. I mean, the Internet isn't described as equipping the saints for the work of ministry, right? I mean, no, think about exactly, it. <clears throat> yes. You know? And all pastors, and it says pastors and teachers. I know that word pastor mm -hmm. is shepherd, but teachers. Now, I, all pastors are teachers, right? But not all teachers are pastors, Uh but those yes. two are together there. So how should we be looking at that verse? Exactly. Yeah. Well, the the way that the you know the wording is there in Greek. So when, when it says he gave some some mm -hmm. to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, that that uh, preposition. I think it is there is then some pastor teachers. Then say some pastors, some teachers. You know the right. the duties are combined. Like you said, uh, every pastor needs to be feeding the sheep. Uh, word of God, and and it has to be able to teach. There is a teaching ministry as well. There's a gift of teaching that isn't necessarily pastoral, and so someone can have a, a gift of teaching. And yet not be, you know, a pastor per se, where a pastor, like you said, you know, is called to be in Ephesians or in First uh, Timothy 3, apt to teach, it says, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. so just able to just feed the Lord's sheep his flock you know peter do you love me feed my sheep you know mm -hmm. and jesus said told peter there in acts 20 and or uh, john 20 and then you know but when he said you know if you love me tend my lambs you know and and that is that's where the pastoral work comes in and the stuff people don't 
see normally, you know, where the, the counseling and the, um, you know, all the other uh, duties that a pastor has. You have to do administration. You have to do all kinds of, depending on the size of the church and um, what what the ministry is involved in. You know, a pastor is doing everything from cleaning the bathrooms to, you know, yeah. teaching the, the Bible studies and and counseling the people when they show up in your door and they're just in the, in the middle of the biggest crisis of their life. You know, that is that is when people call the pastor, you know, either right. when they're getting married, you know, and they're just in the elation and joy or when, you know, somebody just died, their child or someone, you know, had, had some terminal illness just, you know, prescribed and they're a wreck. Mm-hmm. That's when they that's when they come, and you have to be ready twenty four seven for that. And so, you know, there's a lot there. People think, oh, you just get up on a Sunday morning and pontificate and go <laughs> golfing all week. You know, that you know, you wish it was, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. That was my yeah. one of my biggest things that I understood immediately with ministry is that you are there for people at the most dramatic times of their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a child, they lose a child, they it, um. They want to be baptized. They're, you know, they're, they're a new believer. They're struggling with me. These are, in no other vocation or calling that I know of, are you there for the worst, the best and the worst of people's lives. And it is, it, it can be very difficult just on that level alone, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's not like you said, like some other profession. You say, well, I got you scheduled for Tuesday afternoon at (laughs) two o'clock. You know, no, they show up at your door. They're calling the church office in the middle of the night sometimes, you know, or first thing in the morning or, you know, you have to drop whatever. This is okay. This is what my day consists of now. I'm in the hospital. You know, I'm in the emergency room with this family that I know and I love and, and, uh, that's just it, you know. As a pastor, a genuine pastor, and you know, as you sat under Dwight, you know, for so long, and he's he is definitely a, a great example and model. But you know, a genuine pastor loves the Lord's sheep. You know, he he would lay down his life for them. Yeah, yeah. There's and no, so yeah. yeah, you know, and so you you have a genuine concern in these people's lives. You know, it's not like they're just you know, a number on a page or something, you know, you're entwined with them, you feed them, you know them, and and then when these things take place, you know, you are personally involved. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You're listening to Stand Up For The Truth. My name is Mary Danielson, and we are talking with Jeff Sowald of Calvary Chapel, Madison, Wisconsin. Jeff, there's an article recently came out, The Most Difficult Things a Pastor Has to Do. And I'll, it's a not really a long list, but I'm just going to flow through it and you can comment if you'd like. Uh, number one was doing the funeral of a child. Number two was pastoring during COVID and how, how divisive it was, you know, masks and jabs, even being open, that sort of thing. Um, the third one, dealing with sin in the congregation and church discipline, things like that. Uh, the next one is toxic church members and church splits. Uh, exhaustion was the next one. Uh, dealing with emotions over the polarization of our nation, in other words, elections, uh, political issues. Uh, the next one was working an extra job. Sometimes they do that. Tent making. False accusations probably comes under uh, toxic church members. And then the last one was 
staying out of the cultural fray in the areas of political correctness. In other words, alternative lifestyles, inclusion, you know, what is a family, what is a woman, all that sort of thing. So those are the lists. Um, any of those come to mind? I mean, pastoring during COVID, who saw that coming? You know, what, what do you think about some of these, Jeff? Yeah, yeah, that was, that was very tricky. You know, there's a, there's an interesting movie out right now. It's called The, uh, the Essential Church. I don't know if you've heard of that. I've heard but, of it, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's, it's a great movie. Mm. You know, it, it's kind of it has a reform bent to it. It's, it kind of focuses around Grace Community, John MacArthur's church. Oh, okay. And a couple of, uh, pastors in Canada who were actually put in prison for, for staying open okay. and for yeah. keeping the word. But, you know, it's a, it shows that struggle that took place and, you know, a church that size, uh, John MacArthur there, you know, I think they had 30 some elders and they were divided over, you know, aren't we supposed to be under the authority, you know, Romans 13 and we're to, you know, obey the, the government and all these things and, and to watch and they interview their elders and how they work through that it was fascinating and as a pastor especially here in madison you know um we dealt with that on a much smaller scale mm. but we did have people who left because well we're breaking the law mm -hmm. and you know you're thrust into this and i'm like well i don't want to break the law you know yeah. <laughs> i'm reading these mandates now you know half my job is spending the day because you remember how those things were coming out you know a couple times a week sometimes and and you got to weed through this and, and you know lord what do i do here i mean i don't want to you know disobey government but we have a constitution that says that we have you know this freedom to meet and and we actually came under you know a lot of that from the health department here in madison we got threatening letters that you know mm. they were going to be fining us you know lots of money and you know mm. But after two weeks, you know, we close the media. I'm thinking, what is it? The, you know, the Black Death, you know, sweeping right. the nation here is what it sounded like. And then yeah. nothing's happening. And all of a sudden people are calling up and saying, Pastor Jeff, I want to come to church. You know, mm -hmm. I really, I need to be in church. And then, and what I would say is like, you are the church. You know, <laughs> I'm not the church, the building. You are the church and you're mm -hmm. welcome to come. I'm here. You know, uh, Pastor Brian, we've, uh, our, my right hand man here, you know, we're both here. We're open and ready to counsel and meet with people and, um, so people started coming and that's when we got letters because, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you remember how it was where the streets are vacant right. except Calvary Chapel, Madison's parking lot, you know, <laughs> and all these people. And so I had to ask mm -hmm. people, I said, well, I don't want to be provocative. Let's just, you know, move our cars. We'll hide them, you know, around the building there. And, and so we would have 40 cars behind the, the building next door hidden from the view of the belt line and, yeah, and right. people coming in the side door and, we just kept having church and then we started getting threats and, oh, yeah. and, um, all of that. But, um, I'm so thankful, you know, that, you know, after the end of it all, as it all panned out, you know, because all I did was post the constitution right at the front door and, mm. and the mandate next to it, wow. you know, and that's the, when the health department would call up and say, you know, uh, how are you making sure you're not breaking the law? And I said, well, you know, I, I post our constitution, both the United States and Wisconsin constitution, right in the front door in the governor's mandate. And I said, the people coming in are adults. 
I said, I'm, I'm not the proprietor of the store here, you know, and so we are the church. I'm a member of the church and they can make the decision. You know, I'm not going to be your enforcement arm and tell people, you know, what to wear and all those things. Mm-hmm. They can, they have a conscience and, and mm-hmm. they, you know, we did what they told us as far as posting signs and everything. And then, and we had church. And so then they left us alone finally, oh. but. I did at one point have to engage uh, like a lawyer and, you know, oh. they're sending me a letter that says they're going to fine us all these thousands of dollars. Oh, and, my goodness. Yeah. So oh. it was crazy. But, well. yeah, who saw that coming? It was, I think it really, um, that really kind of weeded out a lot of the, the church, I think. Hmm. You know, I, I know it did here in Madison. Yeah. Huge churches just shut down immediately, you well. know. They had oh. no, no thought of opening. <laughs> so. Yeah, and you're in a deep, deep, deep blue city there, in case listeners don't yes. know that Madison is as blue as it gets. And so yeah. I think you had more of a challenge now by us. Um, what we did is we just met with the 10 people in the building for Easter and so for several weeks because we didn't want to be flagged and then forced to even shut down our live stream. We wanted to pick our battles, you know what I'm saying? Yes, yes. So we just had the 10 in the building, and for a while that seemed reasonable. And then, then we opened up in May, at the end of May, but yeah, you know, you're thinking this is something like you said you didn't see coming, and now pastors have to prayerfully make the right decision, capital letters, based on something that we have no experience with. So that was a crazy, crazy season. This is standing for the truth. We're talking to Jeff Sowald, and I have a frog in my throat. Excuse me, uh, Jeff. We have a little bit more time left. Um, I was thinking in James three one two. We were talking about teachers uh, earlier. Let not many become teachers. And then it says, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. So um, there's a couple phases to this, I guess. I mean, mastering the subject, of course, and then also careful how you're living, right? Is there anything else that's in those verses that people should? This is a very sobering verse. Is there something else here that people should be aware of when they're thinking about not just even pastoring, but being a teacher of God's word? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you will be held to that higher accountability by the Lord. It's a big responsibility. Um, who, like I said, in Hebrews uh, 12 there, it talks about those who will give an account for the souls mm-hmm. of these people, you know, and you think of... Uh, uh, we just, we're going through Ezekiel on Friday nights. We have a service as well and we, we study, uh, books of prophecy specifically. And we were just in the chapter on, you know, his recommissioning to being a watchman and, you know, how, you know, being a, a watchman for God's people and, and telling them the truth, you know, or, you know, their blood will be on your hands, you know, mm-hmm. and I think there's a lot of, places today you know obviously where they don't want to deal with controversial subjects they don't want to deal with things that are um going to be divisive as they see it but you know that's the word of god as the gospel is offensive and that's one of the great things about teaching just verse by verse through the bible you know as a pastor it just makes you I have to deal with this, you know, I'm going to deal with this topic. I can't avoid it. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going right through it. We're, we're in Romans, so we're going to teach Romans one and, <laughs> you know, sorry if it makes you uncomfortable, take it up with the author, you know, right. <laughs> and I didn't write it. I'm just, you know, in, under this responsibility of making sure that it's uh, exposited correctly mm-hmm. and we'll give an account for that. 
And, you know, you can imagine when we were in Romans, people got up and walked out, you know, mm-hmm. they leave, you teach passages of scripture like that, and so be it, you know. Yeah. Other people are applauding on thank you, you know, <laughs> and looking for a place that just, you know, won't shy away from the truth. And yeah. so, yeah, you're you're right in the thick of it, you're in the middle, everyone blames you because, you know, you're the mouthpiece, but that's all you are is the mouthpiece. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, I didn't write it, you know, and just, you know, God's mouthpiece for this season, so. Well, and we're in a season, too, where saying a certain thing from the pulpit has a legal ramification, correct? Mm -hmm. I mean, it it sure does, yes, and, you know, I don't know how it's worked up there with you guys in Appleton, but we've had to, as a, a our church board, gather together over the last several years uh, and redraw, redraw our bylaws for our church with regards to marriage and and what you know how we deal with marriage, who, who what is a, a man, you know all those weird things. But now we have to have that in our bylaws because once the the law is passed and gay marriage is law. You know, I know churches where gay couples will walk in and just want to be provocative and want to say, you know, we want you to do our wedding. Well, we don't do that. Well, here's our lawyer and, you know, we will, you know, take it up with him. They're just, you know, purposely seeking to do that. And so, you know, as a pastor, you go, oh, we got to, we got to define this specifically so that I, as a pastor, can say, well, you know, you got to take it up with our board, and this is in our bylaws of our church, and yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we've had to deal with that numerous times, you know, and just reconfiguring the, the language there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It is, it is crazy, <laughs> and you bring up a good point. I, I would encourage churches and boards to look over their bylaws because... You never know. I mean, if they were written, I know ours had been written in the 80s, and if they were Mm -hmm, written a long time ago, it didn't account for this cultural fray that we're in. Mm -hmm. Um, So would you then, I guess, would you recommend that churches uh, take that seriously? I certainly would if they're going to take the scriptures seriously, because that's where the problem, unfortunately, they just, you know, compromise Mm -hmm. in many just say, well, you know, the Bible doesn't really say this and doesn't really say that. And and so that's being reflected in our culture and society at large because very few churches, you know, they, they want to be popular and, and it, you know, to the forsaking of the truth of Scripture and what it says, which is so mm-hmm. unfortunate because, yeah. you know, our, uh, like never before, as you know, you know, the... People need to hear it. So many people. I mean, we had a at our baptism um, last Sunday. We had a baptism at Devil's Lake. You know, that's where oh, we yeah. have it. We wow. just go there and oh, you wow. know, the, yeah, it's like the major heathen dumb place. Yes, <laughs> we set up in the middle. Yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah, we just start singing worship oh, wow. songs and preach the gospel, and you know, you attract the crowd and. You know, after um, dunking a bunch of people and as they come out of the lake, some little kid was standing there, eight years old probably. He's like, what religion are you? You know, and I said, well, we're Christian. I said, what religion are you? And he said, I don't know. And I said, well, do you know who Jesus is? He Mm -hmm. says, I think so. And I explained the gospel and was able to pray with them right there. But you think here's some (laughs) kid, he has no clue, you know, never... I, you know, I remember being, I, I do a lot of prison ministry and 
I was teaching uh, Revelation a few months ago, about 30 guys in a, in a prison Bible study, and uh, it was, I shared about Roman Catholicism and just said, how many of you guys grew up Catholic? You know, normally you'd think half the people. Not one hand went up. And then one guy said, well, I, I went to a Lutheran church once, and I realized none of these men had ever even been to church. Wow. You know? <laughs> and can, that's where the state is. You don't realize that if you're just immersed in Christian culture mm-hmm. continually. But mm-hmm. you get outside, you realize, man, these guys have never been to church. Wow. You know, what do you, you know? Yeah, yeah. Get, that's amazing. And now um, we only have two minutes left before the break, Jeff, or less than two. Um, do you guys always have your baptisms at, at Devil's Lake? I know it's hard to find a place anymore because of insurances and all these other things, but do you guys always have them there? Yeah, yeah, we go there and we just have a, basically a, a service, a, a, just a, a worship, like I said, and uh, preaching the gospel and then the baptism. We we try and pick the most like i said the most carnal place we can find and just making a, a scene you know? yeah right, right i mean not, not not be obscene and not be anything we just go and do what we do and other wow. people are doing what they do and and we don't we're not shouting at people or anything but we do attract a crowd so mm-hmm. yeah we always uh, go to devil's lake wow. and i tell people well we'll we'll put the old we'll leave the old man at the bottom of devil's lake <laughs> and he can have him and you know, the devil got, anyway. well i never made, yeah. even made the name connection there but if you're not from wisconsin devil's lake is a beautiful state park in the middle of the state and it is always packed with people so jeff that's fabulous i just love hearing about those baptisms so this is stand up for the truth jeff sowald we're talking about past during in the last days, we're going to talk about Christian colleges, Christian music, Christian ministry, all kinds of things coming up. So we hope that you will stay with us for the second half of the podcast today. We're looking forward to that. So thank you for joining us. Uh, be back in a couple of minutes. And be sure to check out Q90FM Radio on YouTube, Q90FM Radio YouTube, for the uh, video portion of this podcast. Your prayers and ongoing financial support keep our Truth at Any Cost mission strong. StandUpForTheTruth.com Welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. We're talking with Jeff Sowell today from Madison, Wisconsin, uh, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Madison, down there. And Jeff, we were talking um, off air here during the break about public professions of faith because in the last segment we talked about you having your baptisms at Devil's Lake State Park, the very busy one. Mm-hmm. And you told me about something was it Watertown or Waterford? Something Watertown. Watertown. Yeah, Watertown. Tell us tell us what happened there. This was just over the weekend? Yes, yeah. It was made national news and some national news sites. Um there was a group there that was basically just reading the Bible um over a, they had a, like a speaker, but another guy was just, you know, preaching loudly because there was a um uh, like a gay pride parade, um, is, uh, people that were, you know, just dressed obscenely and, mm. and, um, but they, it was promoted to children, you know, <laughs> it's, it's the craziest right. thing. And mm. so these guys are there and they're preaching, they're in their boundaries where they're to be. And you can see it on, on the internet. Uh, the police came, they handcuffed them and hauled them away. And, you know, the guys were saying, wait a minute, there's people over here playing their radios loud and, you know, just because of the message. So mm. 
um, you st- start seeing things like that and um, I know we uh, talked to Dwight a couple days ago about the prophecy conference mm-hmm. and that's going to be the topic I'm going to be speaking mm-hmm. on is preparing for persecution because you know I think we're ready facing it you know and we get a lot and we have a, a brother in our church who's over our children's ministry and uh, Jeff Wigan and he's um he is a, a, a Dane County supervisor. He is, uh, there's about 37 Dane County supervisors. He's, I think, the only conservative and, and, uh, born again Christian. And he, the, his stand against the different things that are going on here in, in Madison and Dane County have caused him to just become the, you know, the target of mm. Satanist groups wow. and, and of course the freedom from religion, their whole oh, headquarters yeah. is here. And oh, yeah. So, um, he's, the, the things that he tells me is, and, and the police, you know, amazingly, you oh. know, it's not like the police are backing him. They're calling him and telling him that he's out of line yeah. for any things. So, yeah, we really want amazing. to get him on stand up too. I, I, he's on my list of people to contact to get, I think he'd be, uh, uh, very informative uh, for the stand-up audience. So, wow. Um, Jeff, I, I want to switch gears here a little bit because mm-hmm. um, I, this is sort of a pastoral issue. I know that music is dear to your heart as an expression mm-hmm. of love for the Lord and reverence. Uh, Psalm 22, 3 says, Thou art holy and you inhabit the praises of your people Israel. And I know this is uh, Israel in context, but it's fascinating. You inhabit the praises of your people. Mm-hmm. I thought that's an interesting verse, but thou art holy is really key here. So, how should our wor- worship represent that? And and I I guess I don't understand. I'm going to ask you outright. Why pastors allow you know Bethel tunes and Hillsong tunes because those are a way to actually that's how they export and advertise their doctrine. They they bring music into churches and then they um, they call attention to their own ministry. Um, what <sighs> I don't even know how to frame this because uh, I know that worship music has really taken a turn. Last night we were doing some Maranatha tunes, and and again I'm thinking, how did we get here to the entertainment aspect? So for you as a pastor, what is your take on worship ministry? Again, I know how much you love music, and how churches should approach that, and should our pastors actually over worship ministries or not? Yes, the you know the pastor's worship leader mm-hmm. of the church, mm-hmm. you know, and you look at just the doctrine of worship in the Bible, the first time it's mentioned is Genesis 22, where Abraham is uh, taking Isaac, and he tells his two servants there, uh, the, the lad and I, it says, are going to go up yonder and worship, and he's taking his son to to you know, kill him, you know, as the first mention of worship. And then another uh, time in the Bible, Job, chapter 1, Job, after all these things, Job, you know, threw himself on the ground and worshiped the Lord. And none of it has to do with music even, you know. It, it is all, like you were saying, it's, a, it's an expression to God of his holiness and of who he is. And so, yeah, I, I grew up playing music all around. Mm-hmm. And after I got saved, um, didn't... 
it didn't want anything to do with it because of just the places that I was in and felt filthy just wearing a guitar because of the kind of music I played, speed metal and, and just this type of music. And so it didn't, I just was said, good riddance, I don't want anything to do. And thankfully there was a brother in the church where I was attending. The worship leader had saw a video that we had uh, done and, um, discipled me in that and just showed me biblically, you know, and, and so I was able to turn that around. And so now, yeah, we have, um, just, uh, really a lot of musicians, a lot of, uh, uh, singers and, and that at the church. Um, I must say that, you know, I'm guilty of allowing Bethel, some Bethel songs, some Hill song, those types of things, those kind of songs. I'm very particular. I go over the songs and, and so, you know, it's all got to come through me. I don't just let every song, but, and, you know, I've dealt with people like that. And, you know, there was another one guy years back who was, you know, just, you know, getting all over me about uh, how could you allow this, how could you allow that, and you know, I, I said, you know, a lot of the hymns we sing come out of churches that promoted replacement theology. Mm. So you know, <laughs> if you're going to yeah. go down that road, yeah. let's go down that road. Then you know, if you mm. want, then you know, and so I said, if you're going to go by the theology of the uh, the writers, you know. You're gonna have to. We're gonna have to have a, a debate about this because, mm-hmm. you know, and we said "Amazing Grace." You know, is sung by a replacement theologian. It's mm. written. You know, so come on, man. You know, and, and so a lot of the hymns and things like that 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 are great, and we sing them. We sing. You know, we have hymns mm-hmm. in every service and all of that, but they'll incorporate other ones, and I'll have to. Like you say, pick the battles with that, but yeah, right. I don't agree with Bethel's theology or Hillsong, those types of things. But mm-hmm. you know, I mean, the, some of the songs are scripture put to put to music. Mm-hmm. So um, I have no problem with you know scripture being sung and that thing. And, and most of the people singing them have no clue who wrote it and yeah. whatever. So yeah, that's kind of my take on it. But I am very particular. I don't just let anything. And you know, there are songs that are very popular that we don't do. And just because I say no, so. yeah, yeah, it's a minefield out there. There's no question. About it is. It. Yes. Yeah. You know. It, <laughs> There was an article that came across my desk just uh, yesterday. And this, you know, maybe I need new shock absorbers because this surprised even me. And it says, uh, uh, for the first time ever, a man who performs in makeup and women's clothing has hit number one on the Christian music charts. A feat in part due to criticism from worship artist Sean Foigt. And um, so he calls himself Flamey Grant. And it is number one on the Christian charts on iTunes. And, of course, there will be a lot of downloads out of pure curiosity and mm-hmm. I do understand that Crash and I were talking about that earlier. And yet, I, I think, too, it's a symptom of something much worse. And how did we get here, Jeff, that there could be something? I mean, I never would have seen that coming. You know, we, we got saved a long time ago, and so this is not something we were looking for. Is this now, is this going to be a new normal, or do you think this is just for show? You know, and the more you talk about it, the more people are interested. What do you think about this one? Yeah, I think that's just reflective of where Christianity as a whole, it's a cultural movement as, as opposed to biblical these days. Mm-hmm. And that's seen in the, the quote unquote celebrity pastors that uh, rise up and, 
they they're famous because they're famous, you know, and the the media and the, their visibility and often too often scandalous behavior, you know, they get notoriety, and you know the music is purely entertainment. It's not really. Um, like like you quoted from the Psalms, you know, reflecting God's holiness. It's not biblical or scriptural, and and you know that little by little chipping away um, at, at just uh, making things, you know, uh, uh, just comply with mm-hmm. scripture and biblical. It, you know, it, it it opens a floodgate, and it's to this. You know, right. I've seen that as well, and I'm just like, I can't believe this, but at the same time, I totally believe this <laughs> because, you know, when you have worship leaders like Amy Grant, you know, and who this guy's naming after, and everyone knows that, you know, who's standing up, accumulating their trophies, you know, and their right. Dove awards, and. And thanking God, you're like, well, you know, why are you taking that trophy then? You know, come on, you know, and and that's where, you know, they start bringing it into the realm of um, of entertainment and those types of things that uh, that it becomes uh, purely entertainment and and like you said, curiosity and people yeah. don't even have discernment, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, and and. Also, some artists had come out over the years of, you know, being gay or what have you. And, and at first it shocks, right? But then that wears off, right? And then, then yeah. pretty soon nothing shocks us anymore. But yeah, I don't know that that's the best place to be at either. So, wow. Uh, it's just, it's just, like I said, a minefield and Lord come quickly is basically what I'm thinking here. <laughs> mm-hmm, yes. Yeah. And speaking of cultural phrase, um, talking about becoming a pastor or being a pastor, there may be families out there where, um, uh, a son is considering becoming a pastor feels called to that. And so will likely go to a Bible school or a Christian college. And I know they're different and Christian colleges, tend to be academic, um, have a focus on academics, you know, English, mathematics, humanities, history, what's your major, that sort of thing. And then some will have um, a seminary or a pastor, a school of theology right there. So there's two different emphasis. And then there's Bible colleges, and they tend to be two- or four-year schools primarily for becoming a pastor, not necessarily academic, um, you know, tent-making, that sort of thing. But uh, how to study, how to teach, how to minister to people. I think of Calvary Chapel Bible College, which is the one I've known about for many, many, many years. But Jeff, what, again, speaking of being in the cultural fray, what should parents be looking for uh, in these institutions? It's a lot harder to navigate these colleges now because of inclusion and diversity and all that. What would your advice be for parents who have a son who would like to become a pastor? Yeah, well, and maybe tell them to do something else. (laughs) You know, you have to be, it's one of those things where, you know, because the position and the role, you're led by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that is the main, you know, qualification is that you're going to be being led by the Spirit, you know, day after day. and, And that is 
you're, you have to be receiving your instruction and, in, in, like we were talking about earlier, sometimes right in the midst of a crisis, you have to be, you have to be filled with the Spirit and mm-hmm. being able to operate in that position. Otherwise, you are gonna, you are gonna burn out and you're gonna be completely destroyed by, mm-hmm. because we got a vicious mm-hmm. enemy and he knows who's, you know, who's on a front line type position there. And so my advice, you know, if someone's looking for that, you know, the best thing they can do is be be equipped and trained in in the Bible, you know, knowing the Word of God inside and out and very well being a student of that. You know, I went to Calvary Chapel Bible College, you know, got a degree and all that. It was, you know, basically just uh, fundamentals of ministry. But I, I had a, a pastor there in Ca- Southern California who then had a pastor's class. And he was, um, he, he took, uh, um, he had to apply for it. He took about 80 applications and he weeded that down to 15 of us. And then at the first meeting, um, he, he weeded it down to eight people, you know, and out of the 15, he said, you know, you're a missionary. This is for pastors. And, hmm. you know, you're, uh, you're, uh, he actually told a couple guys, I don't, I don't sense that you're called to this position, crushed them, you know, wow. but it came to eight of us who, Basically, all eight of us had a loc- had a destination. You know, it wasn't just like, oh, I'm thinking of getting into this mm-hmm. and maybe I'll do that. But you know, I'm going to Madison whether I'm in this class or not. You know, <laughs> I would love to be in this class because um, uh, Pastor David Rosales is our, our uh, pastor in California, and he he was a drill sergeant. You know, and I'm so thankful for that because you know he immediately loaded us down with all this reading and all these ministry uh, just uh, opportunities that we had to be involved in and he immediately you know immersed us in pastoral ministry for almost two years before leaving so that we had no you know uh, no pre- no false preconceptions right. of what you're getting yourself into here mm-hmm. you know and some of the people would dropped out it was just too intense but at the same time those of us who love ministry were just so thankful because then when we got here i mean you're planting a church and you know this is i guess it kind of depends if someone's going to be in a denominational setting you sure. know i mean you go there's a church already they're waiting for you but if you're going to go plant a church you know you have to have you know a great foundation in the word of god you have to be the example for the people who start showing up and following the word of god and and your family is under the microscope continually as to you know one little you know mess up and oh boy you know mm-hmm. you just you are you're vilified and um so you have to be ready for so many things like that now I have a brother-in-law who went to Dallas Theological Seminary, and he got a degree from there, and he got a lot of his training under people like um, uh, Rick Warren, you know, and, mm. and his thing was all about, you know, just starting a megachurch, you know, mm. that was his whole thing. And so when he graduated from the seminary there, this is a top-level seminary, um, he had to have, as you know, before he graduated, he had to have two years of 
of uh, sermons, you know, in the can, ready to go, so he didn't have to worry about that while he promoted his church, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's that's how they're sending people out. And yeah. so, you know, he could go out and, and he could, you know, hire local celebrities to come on a Sunday. He can market this thing. Mm-hmm. And, and his, ser- his sermon's ready to go, so he's not having to study, you know. Mm-hmm. But as a pastor, you're studying continually you know you're studying every day and you know you're always fresh in the word and you want to give you know fresh uh just food what the lord wants to feed his Mm -hmm. particular congregation you know like i said we over the years you know well our church has grown you know now uh brian is a a pastor as well here at calvary chapel madison and he fills the pulpit and i you know every six weeks uh, candy and i take a turn in the children's ministry. Brian goes in the pulpit and, you know, people walk in, they go by, what are you doing in here? Well, we're serving in here, you know, mm-hmm. and setting an example in those ways for the congregation. You know, this isn't just an, a cast off ministry here, you know, yeah. these are the kids who are coming up. These are the kids that these drag queens are after, you yeah. know, and so we're going to make sure they're equipped. And then the, the congregation catches that and yeah that is important you wow. know it must be important to pastor jefferson there teaching them <laughs> it is yes, you know it is absolutely so, it's on the job training really is what yes. you know and, and you will have a a degree maybe not a master's but a pastor's degree and you will have be an expert in spiritual warfare correct <laughs> exactly oh yeah yes they are because <laughs> yeah, the enemy comes after ministries and if they can't come at you from without they'll go after your marriage they'll go after your your flock or what i mean it's mm-hmm. just there's no end to the um, creativity, quote-unquote, of the enemy when it comes to dragging. And if you're teaching prophecy and you're teaching God's word faithfully, you are number one on the hit parade when it comes to spiritual warfare. And and I think any young man, and I've seen a lot of young men come out of Bible college, and they they really, I just look at their face and say, oh, how can I pray for you? You know what I mean? Because I know know there's going to be a school of hard knocks ahead. Um, but even even if a, a family wants to send their daughter or son to a Christian university, just you know, thinking, well, uh, you know, UW Madison, I don't know about that, but let's just go to Wheaton <laughs> or whatever. You know, um, there, there's a minefield too because now I was reading up on that a little bit that even Wheaton College um, they have a critical race theory. They have um, mm-hmm. yes. this gentleman Gerald McDermott who wrote this article said that uh, he got an anonymous letter that there are uh, woke professors there. Um, and other people are afraid mm-hmm. of them. They don't want to speak up. I mean, um, multicultural development departments. And so parents really need to be careful. Just because it's a Christian university, you need to ask questions like, uh, what do they teach about Genesis? Is it um, literal 24-hour days? Is it a young earth? Is, mm-hmm. is there a trinity? Are there only two genders? I mean, we have to ask these things. Um, was the flood real? Is, is future prophecy uh, legitimate? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you out. know, uh, uh, parents, you know, the best thing they can do is you train your children up in the way oh, yeah. they should go, you oh, know. Yeah. They should go walking in there being the example, you know. They, they shouldn't, uh, I know a lot of uh, parents do that, you know. They want the, the Bible school, or they want the, the youth pastor, or they want the the Sunday school to train their kids. No, you are responsible for them, and mm-hmm. you have to, they have to know those things from you, you know, and they have to be secure in those doctrines 
and those things if you want them to be uh, grounded in that and in the days we're living in as parents you need to be the one who's making yeah. sure that's taking place because yeah i don't think it matters where you go these days right. there's so much true. of that is everywhere that's mm-hmm. true and i you know we only have five minutes left and i just want to get mm-hmm. your take on on youth groups because i think those have changed over the years i know uh, if you're jewish your your young man young woman um at 13 or so they are sitting at the father's feet and they are learning scriptures and i know the church uh, tends to make uh, old children instead of young adults from time to time that's been yes. my observance since uh, youth groups of the 80s and 90s how do you approach youth group in your church yeah, we well, first thing we call young adults. Young adults. So there we you go. make sure that they're not kids. You mm-hmm. know, you are turning into adults here, and and yeah, that's kind of been a pet peeve. You know, these guys who are in their thirties or whatever trying to act like a teenager. You know, <laughs> and it just it, it's appalling. And and you know, so the my oldest son is one of the the teachers there, and then another brother in the church. Together, they co-labor in that and uh, do a really good job. And the emphasis is on training them for adulthood and not trying to keep them kids. And yeah. so always, you know, they they are setting an, an example as adults as opposed to trying to be a little kid with them and, and stifling their maturity, mm-hmm. you know. It's crazy. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we put a lot of emphasis. And like I said, you know, those in the, in the younger ages, you know, they're getting trained in doctrine. They're getting trained in, you know, biblical theology from a young age, and it's amazing when you talk to them. They can they can tell you the gospel. Awesome. You know, yeah. they know the gospel. They know the core doctrines of their faith at you know eight nine years old, mm. and making sure of that. And you know, if nothing else, you know, we're not just okay. Good luck. You know, right. we're, we're God brought them here, so we're going to minister to them. Right. That way. And- and teaching apologetics to the young. I don't think you yes, can do that yeah. too early either. No. Yeah. Jeff, just Yeah, we f- do that Friday nights, yeah. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. Great. Do you have a curriculum, or how do you do yes, that? Yeah, yeah. we use uh, Ken Ham's curriculum. Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Excellent. Yeah, we do too. Um, Jeff, it's just, you know, the times we're living in. Again, women's ministries, you know, sometimes they're teaching Beth Moore in the churches and that sort of thing. And there's just so many things that pastors have to stay on top of. So I'm going to ask you in the last couple of minutes, how it's not just a one way street pastoring. And, you know, we support the pastor and we come alongside them and not every pastor is able to research all these things. How can we pray for pastors? How can we come alongside them and make their job easier instead of harder? What are your final thoughts on that? Well, yeah, if you um, support your pastor, realize the, you know the difficult position he's in no matter what what decision you make you're you're going to offend somebody mm-hmm. you know you're always in that place it's a lose lose situation no matter what but that's the job you know you if you know you're going to paint the nursery room some people want a blue some <laughs> people right. want a yellow if you pick the blue the yellow people are going <laughs> to be mad at you you know mm-hmm. so you're always in that place and so, you know, support him, you know, submit to him, you know, I mean, if you're going there, it's not like you have to, you know, you, you 
submitted to Jesus Christ. He is your Lord, but he put people in those positions. Like I said, Ephesians 4, he himself, if you've got a good pastor who's teaching you the word, you know, he's human, he fails, you know, just like everyone else, and he loves you. You know, if he is genuine, he loves you and would die for you and support him, you know, be there for him, realize that it is a difficult job and just see how many pastors, you know, make it maybe five, six years. There's very yeah. few Dwight, Dwight Duvals, you know, yeah. and the people like that who used to have just been in there forever and still, you know, love the people and yeah. love the Lord. And so, yeah, if, if you have that, you got a great treasure and yeah. support that. Yeah. I'm reminded of First Peter 5, um, four, uh, verse, verse 4 says, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Submit mm-hmm. to God, resist the devil. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, yes, all of you be submissive to one another. Be clothed mm. with humility, for God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. And boy, those are some great verses for running a church, aren't they? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. Thank you, Jeff. So much great, all right, Mary. great ministry here. We love you guys down in Madison. CalvaryChapelMadison.com. Also the Facebook page. You can live stream the services. And Upward Call follows this program here on Q90FM. So thank you, Jeff. God bless you. And see you at the conference in September. All right. Uh, Another great podcast. Um, I hope this ministered to you and edified you. And we'll be back tomorrow with Pete Garcia. Looking forward to that. We're going to talk about some prophecy. Uh, So again, that's it for another podcast. But therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Have a great day.